studying the book of Ephesians. And in case you didn't know, we're on number six. And we're just taking our time and we're going through the book of Ephesians. Um, the book of Ephesians is a lot of fun. And so Ephesians chapter 2 is where we left off. Y'all remember last time we talked about Ephesians, that how God has made us um, to unto good works. You remember that in verse 10? It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. So we're all doing good works in the room, right? Everybody's, I said we're all doing good works in the room, right? So everybody's serving somewhere. You can remember we I talked talk to you. Remember, we did three. You know, you can lift off list off three things right away that you're doing serving God, right? Yeah. Two of you. <laughs> the rest of you get busy. Hallelujah! Ask the Lord what you're supposed to be doing because I guarantee you that we are the part of the body of Christ, and and as the body, every part is is significant. Even if you say, "Well, I'm just a little toe on the body of Christ," well, that little toe is helpful. You don't don't get, we don't want it cut off. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And you're not a spleen. You're not a, let's see, what's that thing everybody gets rid of all the time? A, a gallbladder. Yeah. You're, an appendix. What are those? We need you. You're not one of those, all right? I, I was just reminded of Rhonda's aunt was really funny. I, did you know I was going to go there? Well, anyway, I can't talk about it. But uh, she always said she was a, inf, the infamous part of the body of Christ. She helped get rid of the waste. Anyway, so... Uh, Anyway, but anyway, that's what she said she was. I said, no, you're Aunt Doris, you're not. Hallelujah. But anyway, praise the Lord. So, but you're all, I'm trying to do something to loosen some of you up. Hallelujah. Y'all ready to receive? Yeah. All right. So you are created unto good works. And then we went into this. I want to show you this. Verse 11. Wherefore, remember that you being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by which is called the circumcision in the flesh, made by hands. So he begins then now to talk about the, those that in covenant and out of covenant. Remember when David said about Goliath, what did he say about him? He, he's an uncircumcised Philistine. What does that mean? He's a man without a covenant. Why are you afraid of him? Why are you afraid of a man without, I don't care how tall he is, I don't care how big he is, he doesn't have a covenant. So why are you afraid of him? And so... Um, so that's what it's talking about. So there it said, um, then verse 12, that and the time you were without Christ, talking to us as Gentiles, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. So when you and I were not born again, we were not in covenant. And so God is the God of covenants. And you and I, before we were born again, we didn't have a covenant with God. And remember, God is a covenant keeping God. And covenant is everything to him. Because he could swear by no greater, he swears by himself. He's not a man that he should lie. As he said it, he's going to do it. If he makes covenant, and because of Jesus Christ, you and I are in a new and better covenant. There was nothing wrong with the old covenant. The old covenant was good. Under the old covenant, remember Jesus saw the woman bent over. And he said, ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, be healed? In other words, he invoked her Abrahamic covenant, and she was healed. So not that the old covenant was bad, but it was good, and we have a new and better. We don't have a new and worser. We don't have a new and worser. So anything you see in the covenant of old that was good, that's for us. And we have a new and better covenant. Y'all good? But now in Christ, uh, you who were sometimes afar off were made nigh by the blood. And so I want you to remember that. But now I want you to skip down to verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no more strangers, 
Verse 19, you are no more strangers and foreigners. These aren't in my notes, but by the way. Uh, Ephesians 2.19, now you are no more strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the household of God. And then I want you to see this in Ephesians 3.6. It says that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs. So you're a fellow citizen. Hello, fellow citizen. You're fellow heirs. You're a fellow heir of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So I want to remind you something. So these three chapters, these three verses, Ephesians 2.12, Ephesians 2.19, Ephesians 3.6, speak of what we've already talked about in Ephesians chapter 1, in whom we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will. So you are Remember what Romans 8, 17 says. You're an heir and a joint heir with the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 7 says we are no longer, Galatians 4, 7 says you and I are no longer servants, but we're an heir. And remember what I talked to you about, that what does it mean like Romans 8, 17 said that we're joint heirs. I said this, but I just want to remind you by way of review, because it's interesting that in Ephesians 1, 11, and we looked at it already, being an heir of his is very important. And so Paul is revealing to us, and you're going to see in Ephesians chapter 3, it talks about this was the great mystery. God kept this hidden from everyone. They didn't, even the Jews didn't understand that the Gentiles were no longer going to be cast away. They were no longer going to be aliens. They were no longer going to be strangers. They were no longer going to have to become proselytes. They were going to become adopted. This was the mystery, that, part of the mystery that was held. This is a mystery the devil didn't even understand. That once Jesus was raised from the dead, that you and I, we could believe on him and believe that he was raised from the dead, receive him as Savior, and then suddenly we've been adopted into the family and we're heirs. And so what I was saying, a lot of times people think, well, I'm an heir. I have some of the stuff that Jesus gave me. I have healing. I have this. And that's all true. But it's more, you're more than an heir. You're a joint heir. And so I said, if Ollie and I had the same dad, and when our dad died, he had five cars, I don't have two and a half cars, and Ollie have two and a half cars. Together, we have five cars, and we're going to have to figure it out who gets which car on what day. I get the Beamer on Monday. You get the Mercedes on Tuesday. We're, if our daddy had three houses, and I'm picking them odd, because I want you to see it's not an even divide. We have those three houses together. Amen. They're ours. We are heirs over them. We are stewards over them. Jesus said, everything the Father has is mine, and I give it to you. God is not withholding anything. You are an heir. And then if you could take it back here, this is not my message tonight. This is just a good one. Hallelujah. I mean, you look in Galatians chapter 3, um, verse, um, yeah, let me find it. You know it. Verse, let's go back up. Start at 29, but let's go back up. Let's, um, let's go to verse 26. Sorry, these are none of this in my notes. Galatians 3, 26. It says, for you are all children of God. How'd you get to be a child of God? You got born again, right? How many of you believe it's Wednesday? How many of y'all believe that Jesus is the son of God? You believe that he was raised from the dead? Everybody say, I'm a child of God. Hallelujah. So we're all brother and sister in the room, right? We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're heirs and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're heirs together. We're fellow citizens together. We're fellow heirs together. Everything the Lord has is all of ours together. Hallelujah. And it says, for you are all children of God by faith. That's the only way you can become a child of God. Everybody on planet earth is not a child of God. 
And I know they all say we're all children of God. Well, they're all potential children of God. Because remember we said on Sunday morning, you're either of your father, the Lord Jesus, of the father of the Lord Jesus Christ, or you're of your father, the devil. So there's two fathers, two families. And the only way you get in this family it, to be adopted is you believe that Jesus is the son of God. So we're all children of God by faith. How? In Jesus Christ. Amen. Y'all done that? Amen. For many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither, I love this one, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. Say there's neither. What does that mean? It means your nationality, check it at the door. Check it. In the body of Christ, check it. It's very not part of this. There is neither bond nor free. So it doesn't matter what station in life you're in. When we're in the body of Christ, we're all brothers and sisters. There's not one greater or one lesser. There's neither bond nor free. I like this one. This will mess with some people. There is neither male nor female. In Christ. In Christ. In other words, a, a man is not better than a woman. A woman is not better than a man. Uh, I'll just say this in case somebody takes my words. You are either a male or a female. But in Christ, that doesn't count for position or authority. Because we are all one. Everybody say, I'm one. In Christ. Then verse 29 says, and if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed. So who's our father? Well, God's our father, but Abraham's our father. And we are what? Heirs according to the promise. And then you can go back into Genesis and you can go back into Deuteronomy and you can figure out what are the promises. And I wasn't going to do this, but I just feel really inspired to how Deuteronomy 28. We'll get to my other message because it's really good, but you'll be back. Well, I'm not preaching next Wednesday. After Travis gets done next Wednesday, he's surprised. I'm not surprised. I was surprised. I wasn't counting on it. But, you know, hallelujah. Glory to God. And it shall come to pass, if you'll hearken diligently to the voice of the Lord your God, Deserve to do all his commandments. How many of you know there's still stuff to do? Amen. These are not automatic. It's A by faith. Faith is a rest, but you receive. And so what are all these things that are going to come on you? Which I command you this day, the Lord God will set thee on high above all the nations of the earth. And in all these blessings shall come on you. That's Abraham's covenant. Amen. Are, you, are you Abraham's seed? Yes. Are you an heir according to the promise? Yes. Do you know how to hearken? Hearken is more than listen to. Hearken is listen and do. Hearken is listen and do. You got to be a doer, right? And then what, what's going to happen? All these blessings. I'm supposed to chase the blessings. No, the blessings are chasing you. Because if something's going to overtake you, that means they're coming up from behind. You're just supposed to follow God, seek God with all your heart, and those blessings are going to overtake you. They're going to overtake you. You don't have to chase money. Money will chase you. Hallelujah. You don't have to chase a position. If you do a thing, if you humble yourself, those, those positions will chase you down. If you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Hallelujah. I'm having a lot of fun. And all these blessings, and all these blessings shall come on you and again overtake you. If you will hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. Let's just rehearse them. Most of you know all these. But blessed shall you be in Huntsville. And blessed shall you be... Uh, some field, hallelujah. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body and the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle. If you don't get any cattle, whatever you got. The increase of your kind, that's children, and the flocks of your sheep. Verse 5. Blessed shall be your basket. 
Blessed shall be your checkbook. Blessed shall be your uh, uh, 401k. Blessed shall be, listen, you can, if you don't have a savings account, put $10 in there and get one. God can't bless something you don't have. Well, I don't have any money to save. I don't care. Find something to save because God can't bless something that you don't got. Well, I don't have anything to put in there. I have to pay. I, all my money goes out. Well, that's the wrong confession. All your money doesn't go out. God can give you seed to sow. If he can give you seed to sow, he can give you seed to start a storehouse. Hallelujah. Blessed shall be your basket, your checkbook. Your, you, you don't use a checkbook, I know. So blessed shall be your iPhone that is connected to your bank account. Hallelujah. And blessed shall be your store. Everybody else's store can be depleting, but your store can be going over the top. This is, God don't care about that. These are the blessings of Abraham. He does care about it. He made a big deal about your inheritance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed shall be when you come in. Are you, you are the coming inest and the going outest people I know. We are busy people. So you're always coming in and going out. So you're blessed. Everybody say, I'm blessed. The Lord shall cause your enemies. You don't have to be worried about the enemy. The Lord will cause your enemy to rise up against you be smitten before your face. They come at you one way. They have to flee before you seven ways. I like that one. Hallelujah. The Lord shall command the blessing upon your storehouses and all that you set your hand to do. And he shall bless you in the land which the Lord God gives thee. Number one, you you got to put your hand to something in order for God to bless it. Amen. And you got to be in the land that he told you. Amen. And he's going to bless you. Amen. Well, that's a good review. Hallelujah. Was that a good review? I like that review. Hallelujah. So, so. So inheritance is very big to God. Don't squander your inheritance. Don't let it go for nothing. Jesus paid a high price for it. The Lord wants us to walk in Deuteronomy 28, the blessings. He does. Everything is ours. He said it's his good pleasure to give us the kingdom. What is that? That's everything. If something's not working, if I'm not walking in God's highest and best, remember, it's not on God's end. I lack revelation. I lack understanding. I have to grow my faith. Because faith is how I receive from God. He's not a withholder. You know, I'm like some of you. I grew up hearing that he was. And they only taught me what they knew. I was mad at them for a really long time. But they only taught me what they knew. I had to get over it. I had one lady come up to me one time. She came out of the same denomination I did. Well, I'll tell you who it was. Some of you don't know her anymore. But she was my first member. Her name was Dorothy. She said, Pastor, I don't mean to say anything. But she's like, we came out of the same denomination. I'm like, yeah. She goes, why are you mad at them? And I'm like, because she said, it comes out. And I was like, really? And then I thought about it, and then I giggled. And I said, you're right. Because I always felt like if they had taught me better, I would have been so much further along. But they only knew what they knew. And so I changed. I got very grateful for what I did learn. I got very grateful for my little Sunday school teacher, her name was Lillian, who caused me to fall in love with God. She didn't know everything. I think she got, did she ever get to hear me preach? 
She heard about me preaching, but I don't know that she ever. And then my youth pastors, where I got born again, ended up, he ended up having a, a, a church. And one of the first churches I ever preached at was my youth pastor. After, after I kind of, you know, uh, even back way back then, but then after that, I had to get some things, I had to get some things fixed. So don't be mad at where you came from. And you and I still don't know it. Dude, I don't know everything. Do you know everything? I need more revelation. Amen. But I just want to tell you, if you grew up where maybe they painted a bad picture of who God was. Maybe you grew up in a certain where, you know, every time you did something wrong, you had to run to somebody and get in a box and tell them everything you did wrong. And then they gave you something to do. And then, you know, now you find that's such, that was such bondage. But you know what? You only knew what you knew. And really what I've found over the years is God really looks at people's hearts, even if they're taught wrong. He, he can go over some stuff. Now, he wants you to have good doctrine because it will help you. But people who don't, he looks at their heart, and he'll help you out of some stuff. Well, that one was free too. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2. I don't know what caused me to get there, but Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at this, and we'll start. I'm not going to keep you all night. <laughs> Maybe. Um, verse 14. For he is our peace, who has made both one, talking about Jews, Gentiles, made both one, have broken down the middle wall partition between us. We had a wall partition between us, and we had a wall between us and the Lord. You remember the veil. Remember when Jesus was raised from the dead. It was ripped in twain from what? Top to bottom. I don't know. I want to see the, I want to see the play by play on that one. I think maybe it was two angels or one took it and ripped that big old thing. But it gave us access to the throne room. So the wall has been broken down. Having about Jesus, verse 15, having abolished in his flesh, Jesus, the enmity. We were once enemies of God because of sin, but we're no longer enemies and God's not at war with us. How many know God's not an angry God? Even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain, one new man, so making peace. So Jesus did this. He made peace. He made peace. Verse 16. That he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross. So everything, there's neither male nor female. There's neither Greek nor Jew. There's neither bond nor free. He, he's brought everybody together by the cross and he slayed, he has slain the enmity thereby. Ooh, hallelujah. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Oh, no, verse 17, I'm sorry. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were near. So he came and preached peace to those. Because remember, remember the woman, the Syrophoenician woman came? Remember he said, I'm not sent to you. Because when, uh, when he went off into the, the, the village, John chapter 4, when the woman at the well, he went to that, her village and he talked to them. But he really wasn't to the Samaritans. He wasn't sent to them yet. He was just sent first to the house of Israel. And he came and he preached peace to them. He came and preached the kingdom to them. And then now, because of the cross, he came to preach peace to you and I who were afar off who were not fellow citizens. We were aliens. We were strangers to the commonwealth and to them that were nigh. Verse 18, for through him 
we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, I'm just going to throw this in. I don't believe there's two covenants running simultaneously today. Either you get born again or you're not. There's a group of people who believe that, you know, because, because of this or because of that. Um, but there's only one way. Jesus is the way. There is no other way. There's no other special treat for, uh, I'll just say it, there's no special treat for Israel anymore. You're either in or you're out. You're either born again or you're not born again. That's the way right now. There is no other way. There is no other way. If you die without Jesus, you go to hell. There is no other way. There is no other way. He's made the two one. He's made the two. There's one body right now. You're either in the body or you're out of the body. Either, either Jesus is your Savior, making the Father of God your, your Father, or you're of your Father the devil. There's no middle ground here. That's narrow. That's very narrow. It's one way. And so here, though, I want to talk to you about peace. And so turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to look at, you can look up on the screen. We're going to look at verse 20 in the Amplified Classic. It said, God purposed that through, by the service, the intervention of him, Jesus the Son, all things should be completely reconciled back to himself, whether on earth or in heaven, as through him the Father made peace, the, he made, Jesus made peace by means of the blood of his cross. And so here in Ephesians, if you, um, if you look at this, um, let me find it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 2, remember it said this, but now in, in Christ Jesus, you who were sometimes were afar off were made near by the blood of Jesus. So we can never talk too much about the blood. Amen. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Without the shedding of blood, there is no covenant. Without the blood on the mercy seat, there is no mercy for us. The blood of Jesus... That blood took care of all the offerings. You don't have to make any other kind of offerings anymore because the blood of Jesus and the offering of his body took care of every other kind of offering. Be careful going back to try to be Jewish. You don't have to keep that stuff. It's cool and it's interesting. And if you can incorporate it where you keep it New Testament, but don't, don't go back and try to pick up their stuff. Because that stuff doesn't exist anymore. Not in Jesus. Not in Jesus. All right, are you all right? I'm telling you, what, I'm telling you, if he didn't take it all, there's no longer a need for a sin offering. There's no longer a need for a clap offering. There's no longer a need for, you know, cutting up any doves. Hallelujah. There's no need to get some grain and throw it up in the air. There's no need for that. Jesus took care of that. It's all done in him. Hallelujah. I'm glad we don't have to sweep up a grain offering around here. You understand what I'm saying? Somebody needs to hear that. Don't try to go back to the old covenant. You have a new and better covenant. And if Jesus took care of that, then you don't have to try to make that happen again. Is there, Pastor Mark, is there anything wrong with the festivals? No, the festivals, they might have some meaning, and you can make some meaning. Just be very careful that you don't go backwards. Hallelujah. Okay. Doing a lot of interesting stuff tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, thank God for the blood. Everybody say, thank God for the blood. So, what happened? So, he made peace uh, through he, the, that uh, Colossians 1.20, Amplified Classic says, he made peace by means of the blood of his cross. So, there was enmity between uh, mankind and God. And Jesus, by the shedding of his blood... By becoming the perfect lamb 
and the sin offering that he was, that blood that was shed was perfect, needed to be done one time, once and for all, and we have peace now with God. Why is this important? I'm going to get to it, but I'm going to give you a preview. If you don't understand that you have peace with God, you'll never have the peace of God. If you don't understand fully and completely that God's not mad at you, he's not out to get you. Well, but I mess up, and so like I open myself up, and so he's going to get me. He's not the getter. He's the restorer. Sin calls out for judgment. It sure does. But that's just because we, that's because we live here in, the, in a world. And if you put yourself back into the kingdom of darkness and start acting like you're not in the kingdom of light anymore, you are going to open yourself up. But it's not God doing it. Well, Lord, uh, I just believe, you know, uh, you, you know, if you have a, a, an adult child that's away from God, well, God, do whatever you got to do to get them back. I don't care what it is. Just, you know, don't, don't let them die. But whatever you got to do, that's a silly prayer and not a New Testament prayer. Don't go quiet on me. Well, how else is God going to get their attention? Well, pray the word way. Number one, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah, but I didn't raise them in church. But now you're in the house of God. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Ask God to send laborers, not car wrecks. We are everywhere tonight. But see, people, you open yourself up with some of that religious teaching. Well, whatever you got to do, Lord. Well, the Lord's not doing anything bad. He's not a destroyer. That's the devil. Can God take something good out of what the devil meant for evil? Absolutely. But God is not the source of it. And it's not a way you should pray. Laborers are better. There's a perfect laborer. I said there's a perfect laborer. There's a perfect one. And you may be a perfect laborer. Somebody in New Jersey is praying. One of their nephews moved down here and working with you. And they're praying that God would send a perfect laborer. And you're right in the next cubicle. And you won't get up and talk to them. Especially if you've got some folks that are away from God. You need to sow some seed. Be, able, be open. Be available. Hallelujah. We're ha- are we having a good time? We're everywhere. Hallelujah. This is what you call a shotgun message. It's just bullets flying everywhere in, in a good way. Hallelujah. One's going to hit you in just a second. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Huh. Yeah. Um, if you, in Bible Institute, I talk about this. I don't know what, what class, but when I got out of Bible school, my sister and I went to Bible school together. I moved back home. Um, I didn't know that my dad had grown up in a Pentecostal home because he never talked about it. Just let's be real honest. He was a pretty good sinner. And uh, he was. And so, uh, and, you know, but he had all this knowledge that I didn't know about. And so um, my mom was serving God. We were all going to church. But my dad really wasn't. He would go two times a year. He was a good man, great man. He just wasn't serving God. And so I got a little, fr- you know, I just got out of Bible school and I want him to serve God. And, and so um, I said, like, you know, I've, I've never had the release to go to do much myself. So the Lord said, pray for laborers. And so I did. I started praying for laborers. So I did it regularly. I prayed for laborers to go across his path. Well, back then, uh, not only was I a youth pastor, I was an itinerant minister. 
So I got this uh, church in the middle of the cornfields of Indiana. I don't remember how I got there except for by the GPS on the inside of me because it was in the middle of nowhere. Their theme was the church alive is worth the drive. And that church was popping, man. I mean, that was the pop, that was one of the, that was probably the most popping church I'd ever been to as a traveling minister. I still remember it to this day. It was out in the middle of nowhere, but man, was it hot. And uh, it was awesome. And so I got done preaching, and these two ladies came up to me trying to help somebody how to pray a laborer. It's very serious if you have a child or anyone you love that's not serving God. These are not the times for them to be out exploring. They need to be serving God and they need to be in church. If they're really serving God, they'll be in church. So it's important, all right? And so uh, these two ladies came up to me and they're like, your last name is Garber. And I'm like, yeah. Do you know a man named Delane? I'm like, that's my dad. And they started laughing. And I'm like, they're like, he never said that he had a son that was a preacher. And they said all day long. They, had, they did work for Sony. They did CDs back in the day. And so they were on one machine and on the other machine, and my dad was in the middle of them. And they said, all day long, 12 hours a day, we do nothing but talk about God. <laughs> Over the top of him. He got preached to 12 hours a day. Now, if you know my dad, when he came to the Lord, he really came back to the Lord. Uh, he worked on staff here. Uh, he, was, he, he went through Bible Institute. Um, but I'm just telling you, that don't ever give up on your laborers. You may not know it. The Lord pulled back the curtain for me so that I could see it, so I could tell you it works. Pray for laborers. Lord, save them. Pray more than Lord, save them. Lord, send laborers. I think that's sermon number five, isn't it? Hallelujah. Where are we? Hallelujah. Um, Romans 5.1, we're talking about peace with God. So you got to have peace with God before you can ever get to the peace of God. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since you have been made right in God's sight, new living, sight by faith. How, how are you made right? By faith. We have peace with God. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. We have peace with God. Everybody say, I have peace with God. Hallelujah. And then you know this, Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 and 5, Amplified Classic. About, talking about what Jesus, Isaiah prophesying for what he saw Jesus on the cross. Surely he has borne our grief, sickness, weakness, and distresses. He carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten of God, as with leprosy. Um, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement. So he took chastisement upon him. The scourging. Needful to obtain peace. He was willingly scourged. He took chastisement because it was needful to obtain the peace that we needed with God. The peace and well-being for us was upon him. And then we know that by the stripes, that's physical, with his stripes that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. But, the, he, but he took stripes for your healing, but he was scourged. For your peace. Peace with what? Peace with God. Now, it's really important. Um, I'll just throw this in. I learned this from Rick Renner. Um, you know, in Ephesians, we'll get to it. I don't know how much I'm going to teach on it because I teach on it a lot. But the, uh, the armor. One of the pieces of armor is uh, the shoes of peace. Y'all remember that? And so those shoes, if, if he looked at it from a Roman soldier, 
Uh, those shoes were not any ordinary shoes. Those weren't your, the Roman, those not Roman sandals. They were shoes that went up to the knees, and then on the bottom there were spikes, and those spikes were for walking, but those spikes were for finishing. So, so a lot of people say, well, it's not a real weapon. Well, Roman shoes were real weapons. Not only did it help them through the rocky uh, things and, and, and climbing stuff, but really a lot of times it was the way they finished the enemy. You may bruise his heel, but he's going to crush your head. It's that. What do you do it with? Peace. It's kind of weird, but peace. So peace is a weapon. Jesus used it as a weapon. When it, remember when he was um, on the ocean, on the on the sea, and that storm right, you know, before they went to deliver the man of Gadarenes, which they didn't know they were going to run into. But the devil caused this great storm. If you study it out, it's the storm came suddenly up. And remember what Jesus said? Remember they woke him up and said, don't you care? We're going to die. We're going to die. We're going to die. Don't you care? We're going to die. And he got up. And what did he say? Peace. What is that? That's a weapon. But you can't use it as a weapon if you don't know you have peace with God. Peace with God is very important. Have you heard people say, like when people are dying, they'll say, have you made your peace with God? There's really some um, truth in that. Have you made your peace with God? They're asking, did you get born again? But it's just kind of an old-timey way to make sure that somebody got born again. Did you make peace with God? In other words, have you received Jesus' say? But they say, have you made peace with God? There's really some truth in it because it's not until you get born again that you have peace with God. And Jesus is the only way you can get peace with God. He's not actively fighting against you, but we are enemies there's, there's that thing, because the Bible taught you were enmity, enemy. So uh, how many of you know the devil is a defeated foe, but that, that's an enemy, enemies of the cross. But you, so, so someone, you have to get them peace. And it really, you know, in the world right now, do you know how confused they are? Do you know how upset they are? agitated all the time. That's really one of the things where I'm, I'm trying to do some things where I, 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 don't, I don't give myself to that. Agitation is not a fruit of the Spirit. Anger is, is thumos, which is a work of the flesh. So I don't want to hang with people and listen to people about things that try to make me angry. Whether they're factual or not, don't make me angry. That's not, that's not holy. It's not a righteous, well, you can have righteous anger. Jesus turned over the money tables one time, and you ought to be grateful. The only, he just did it one time. That's not who he is. And they turned the house of God into a den of thieves. There's no, yeah, that's sermon number six, hallelujah. All right, you understand what I'm saying? So you have to have peace with God. Have you, and I know everybody, it's Wednesday night, but have you made peace with God? Are you at peace with God? And if you are at peace with God, then that will lead you into peace. How many know Jesus is the Prince of Peace? See, when you've made peace of God, then peace becomes the weapon you can use and you can speak to things. I know when I was laying hands on you, I think it was because I'm ministering on this, but when I spoke to some of your bodies, I spoke peace to it. And the anointing was released into you. 
Because sometimes the devil will cause things in your body that keep you very unsettled. And there's no peace with it. And your mind is running. And your body is in turmoil and it hurts. But, but peace ministered to it. Uh, it's a strong weapon. The Lord used it. And if you have peace with God, you can use it. But it's not going to work if first you don't have peace this way. And so it's a very important revelation.